What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? So we don't have a lot of time. It's because we don't have a lot of time. I am back to back to back to back. It's unreal. I've had a leisurely morning. I did clean things. That's good. I am... I'm auditioning for a lot of commercials. Why and a lot? I don't know. It all of a sudden just happened. Where it's my agents were like, season. "Can you come in for this commercial?" And I was like, "I'll come in for the call." Are back. you allowed to say the product? Sure. Well, you'll love this one. <laughs> this is the one I did yesterday. That was so. I I don't know if I ever not, but so I go in. I was like, "Well, I can't make it to the audition, but I'll go in for the callback." And they're like, "Okay." So I go in for the callback. It's for. I was like, I was, I was like, come through middle age. That's why Neil Beasley texted me. I go and give such a bad audition. It was incredible because the director goes, um, okay. So if you could, so it's, I said, do you want, it said accent. I was like, so, cause you want an accent? Like, yeah. An accent. Uh So, so I begin and I'm like, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can say what the lines were or anything. So, and the audition's over. So I was like, I'm going to read one of your books here. Oh, so you're reading The Goldfinch. And he was like, okay, but not a foreign accent. And I was like, okay, well, British? No, 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 like Southern. And so he was like, it can't, it just can't be an accent that we know. And I was like, uh, and I go, so a strange accent? And he goes, no, no, but an accent we don't know. And and so then then I, of course, can't help myself. And I go, something we don't know, i.e. strange Right. And he's like, no, no, it's, and I was like, girl. What did you do? Well, I'm not, so you know, I don't handle situations like that well. Why didn't you do? Oh, so what, so I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, kind of how, like, where's John Kennedy from? And I went, Long Island. Right. And he goes, well, that accent, though, is hard to place. And I was like, no, it sounds like it's from Long Island. And so... Hence, I this probably didn't get, I, you didn't get I, that. Part. I didn't get that part. Wow. Well, very bad. You know, you know me, and also we have a small audience right own. now. But we, hemorrhoid cream. It's hemorrhoid cream. It's for like <laughs> if, if you get, but you can put it under your eyes. I did want to say, I did want to say one. You know, like I have had to use this once, but then I didn't want to tell them why I had oh, to use I it. See. Oh, I see. Oh. Um. Anyhow, so on another note, use the subway for free. Let's talk about how. So uh, what I'm really into is because the credit, the machines won't take credit cards. A lot of the machines won't take credit cards what? to recharge your card. Yes, they will. Not this one on 86th Street and Central Park West. So what I'll do is I'll say, I'll like go and then I'll be like, this won't take my card. And the woman and then the, the woman behind the thing will be like, well, don't you have cash? And then I'll say, no. And I said, can't you charge my card? And she says, no, just go through the door. So I've been really into doing that on 86th Street. You do it every time. So far. I've been doing, yeah, I've been doing it a lot. Um, today, uh, this guy, there's this other stop. Where well, the, you swipe people in also. When I have an unlimited, but I'm not doing an unlimited Metro oh, card I right see. now. Oh, that's why you're being a thief. I'm not being a thief. If these vending machines would take my credit card, <laughs> I'd happily pay. But the MTA is fucking bullshit and they're not taking the credit card. So I also want to like pitch in that. Mm-hmm. Buses. Big little, take a bus. You can always take a bus for free. Apparently for that. Jack, buses are free. Buses are free. You get on the back. And then also big little lies. Uh-huh. It really... It's so camp now. It's the court case this week. Yeah, I just watched, you know, this episode that just came out yes. on Sunday. <clears throat> where all of it, you know, it ends with Nicole Kim and be like, 
I'm a lawyer, so yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'll try her next week with <laughs> like that accent coming through. Well, also that she comes in, it's very, it seems clear like it's going to work in her favor. And she's like, I don't want this case to end. She's like, I, I want to talk more next t- week. Totally, totally. With the mom from Girls being like, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, she's like, like, I'm about to rule in your favor. And she's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not through with that woman yeah. down there. Yeah. Um, I'm, there was, I'm, I'm like, I like it, though. I found it so, I really was like, what's going on? What I loved was Laura Dern's flip out in the car. When she oh, goes, don't you she, fucking the say a fucking word. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then good. she put Kleenex in his mouth. She did. That, that was, was really good. That's where they go too far from time to time. I Well, I would, you know, it's but it's that thing where you're on set and you're like, I need a prop here. I need a prop. Can I get a box of Kleenex? You know, and then they bring you that. How's your driving tests going? Oh. How, how did that driving test go? I, I have a test. I have okay. had two lessons. Uh-huh. And my first lesson was with a man who was very low key and it was very relaxed and he mm-hmm. made me feel confident. And he said, he said I would be good. You know, mm-hmm. he made me feel I would be a good driver. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was terrified in a way, but mm-hmm. I felt somehow calm. My uh-huh. second lesson uh, was with a very nice woman named Lisa, but she did not trust me. Mm-hmm. So she was always pushing yeah. her breakdown. Oh, they have a they have, side, they have, they have wow. to. Wow, uh-huh, I would uh-huh. absolutely murder us oh, if wow, they uh-huh. never break. Uh-huh. So she, um, every time I'd have to slow down, I would be about to push the brake, and I'd feel the brake go out from under my foot because she would start to push it. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Did you start to sweat? Well, she had me drive in this tight circle, like it was a block that had a little median, and mm-hmm. you, it was a cul-de-sac basically. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I did it like twenty-five times, oh. and every time she'd be like, "Well, it was better than the last time, but worse than the time before that." <laughs> and so I did it. I never got good at it. Wow. It was bad. And then I was like pulling out into intersections and like, I don't know how to drive and I'm driving in traffic in Brooklyn. And so like, I don't know how to turn left. And suddenly she's like, just pull forward. I'm like into the intersection. She's like, yes. So I'm in the middle of the intersection panicked. Like what now? What now? She's like, well, you wait for the oncoming cars. It's like literally learning on the job. It's horrible. Wow. Yeah, so I'm a little scared to go back, but I will. You have to. Yeah, but I'm going to get a a private lesson from Stuart upstate this weekend. Well, and we have our road trip coming up. I cannot drive in another state. Yeah, but... Oh, well, you know what we'll do is when we're on the ferry going across Lake Michigan, you can just sit behind the drive and pretend we'll do a simulator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll just sit there and I'll be like, okay, you're in LA. How fast do you go? I'll just no ask idea. you a question. 55. Like 85 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're in Alaska. You're up in the mountain. How fast do you go? I'm not there. Well. I'm not doing this. It's 25 miles an hour unless you're going into a t- turn and then you decrease. What are you talking about? These are all questions that are going to be on your test. No, they're not. They I already are. did the written test. Oh, no, but you get another test about interest, like different states. Are you? You're lying. I'm not you're lying. You're lying. Reed. Yes, you are. <laughs> 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 I'm not lying. <laughs> I have to take a five-hour class. I'm going to do it with Russell. A five-hour class? Yeah. Like where you sit down and a person talks? I think you watch a movie. Oh, God, I wish I taught that. <laughs> that would be so fun. That would it be like, would be a lot more fun. Hello, everybody. Okay, well, you're, you're like, I'm not really sure how to drive. You're going to watch this video, and then the video starts, and it's me. And I'm like, hello, everybody. We're here in a car. <laughs> and then, like, the movie gets crazier and crazier. Do you think that I'll ever get a driver's license? Absolutely. Why Reed, do you, you think can, that? Because I believe you can do anything. But maybe not drive. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I think you can. And driving's one of those things that where you didn't grow up with it, it seems so bizarre. It's crazy. When it's I'm not. in the driver's seat with the steering wheel, I mm-hmm. feel like I'm in a video game where I will kill people. No, you will go slower, you know, just go right. slower and stay well, really alert also, and hypervigilant. When I'm behind other cars that are going, mm-hmm. I'm just like, as long as I follow what that car's doing, at least I'm pretending to know how to drive. Sure. But just like can, in dance class, look at the person in front of you and do what they're doing. Unless is, all of a sudden they swerve around a car and go crazy. Because this is and how I did my whole ballet career. I never learned a bar combination. Never one time. Oh, I think you're going to be okay with driving because you're going to do this like five hour class you're gonna you're gonna be great. We'll be upstate and we'll go somewhere isolated and you, you'll drive. Thank you. And you'll you know you'll have your permit. You'll you know. It's, I look like a murderer as per usual in my permit photo. I'm sure you look glamorous. I I'm don't... sure you look like Tilda Swinton in nope. some weird yeah. Tilda Swinton movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? In a movie where she's oh, a murderer. This is another thing they said to me yesterday in the in that commercial edition. I did a take and I go. The guy goes, "Okay, well that was creepy." <gasps> and I looked at him and went, "Okay, well what do you want?" And he goes, you know, it's like, think Jeff Goldblum. And I went, creepy. Okay. And what era? What are we looking at here? And he's like, oh, I don't know. But it's Jeff Goldblum, but it's, you know, but it's you. It's you as Jeff Goldblum. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just think Jurassic Park through this next take. Jack, you have to stop being mean to casting people. I was, wasn't, oh, this was the director. Wow. <laughs> what was your audition I today? I didn't book it. <laughs> um, today, Jeremy, we have to bleep out what each of these were. No. Um, yeah, we were. I actually wasn't mean to the director. I'm repeating it in a meaner way. I was kind of like, well, I'll think Jurassic. They were laughing. They laughed. They were they laughing. Laughed. I was laughing. You know, Scorpio Rising, I can really be like, mm-hmm, you will still find it charming. Um, today was for... Okay, good luck. I hope I get it. It'd be so much money. I hope you become the mascot. That one happened because there was someone in there being that. I was just a character role. Oh. If you could be a mascot of any brand, what would it be? Um, wow, that's really hard. The mascot of any brand. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but I'll come, Ikea. Yep, you're correct. Thank you. That is absolutely it. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, now it's me. Okay, if you could be a mascot for any brand. Starbucks. That makes sense. Can't you imagine? You'd be so rich. I'd be so rich. Both of us. We'd 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 be so so rich. rich. And also, can't you see me being like, hi, well, what are you doing today? Well, the first thing you're going to do is get an iced coffee. And then after that, you'll get another iced coffee. Starbucks. That's the end of the I would just do videos in my apartment for Instagram and be like, Ikea. Yeah. Ikea. Yeah. Ikea. Yeah. Put this together in 20 Love minutes. It. Put this together in four hours. Put Almost this together in two days. suicide trying to put <laughs> this one together. <laughs> exactly. Actually tried to kill myself and the ambulance came. Um, and then I'd be like, Sweden's really great until it's not. Right. You know. I've been there. Ikea. And Ikea. Then it, and then it adds with, and then it ends with you singing, Ikea. And, and also like, if it doesn't work out, it's garbage. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. If it doesn't work out, put it on the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? People just take it. No big big deal. deal. You only spent like $5 on it. There's a little copper lamp outside someone's trying to throw away. And I'm like, do I want that? Maybe. Do you bring in stuff off the street? I don't. You can't do that in New York. That's too dangerous. Don't do it. Another friend of ours had a bed bug scare. I won't say who. Okay. Well, we're going to stop recording right now so you can tell me so I can make sure I never speak to them again. All right. Up next, our interview with Ben Kimmich. Bye.
Oh, when the it's a more regal the, thing the, when the, the door the, opens the and it's color like color changing horse shows up. Right? Uh-huh. Is there woods? Up. I mean, is there woods? Is there words? It's that. Can you do that again? As they open the doors. How does it go? That is it. Then what? Wow. Ben, thank you so much. It was just sort of in my mind a little bit because I watched The Wizard of Oz recently. Why? I've only watched it all the way through twice. And so it was on TCM and I was... Who has TCM? I do. No, you don't. (laughs) I do. What? I do. I have TCM. As an application? Yeah, do you want to, you can watch any old movie you want. Oh, okay. I don't have time. Oh, it's like an app. There's too many new shows to no, watch. No, no. Well, you know me. I'm an Aquarius. I love going back to something I'm familiar with. I like that too. Mm-hmm. It's comforting. Last night, I really wanted to put on Mommy Dearest again when she no. goes, clean up this mess! Have you seen really, Mommy Dearest? That's good. Should we start with the song? Mm-mm. No. Oh. We won't need to. There you go. Yeah, sorry, I've done it. Hi, um, Ben. You just like Ben. Hi. Oh, it's on. It's on. It's on. We're recording. Ben, it's where happening. did you come from just now? Came from work. Ladies and gentlemen, other, we're here with Ben Kimmich. <laughs> Welcome. So you know, Welcome not, to Jack's n- house. Not Thank just you. not just any Ben, but Ben Kimmich. Thank you. How did you do at trains? It's a, I did the L to the G. And what happened at work today? Tell um, them what your job is. What's your job? Oh. My darb is I'm senior producer. Big, at, big, big deal. Yeah, I guess um, at Performance Space New York. Mm-hmm. Formerly, I, formerly Performance Space One Twenty Two. Right. Performance. But forever and always, you know. Yeah. 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 But before that, when I first met you, you were at DTW before it was Nyla, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I you started at DTW through- New York Live Arts through the merger, then went over to the Park Avenue Armory. Whoa. And then settled in a PS122. How long were you at the armory? It was like a year and a half, but felt like six. Really? Yeah. Where are the offices at the armory? They're on the third floor. Okay. Um, there's the first floor. The second floor is like residency rooms and like conference rooms, but all like very fancy, like as fancy as the mm-hmm. first floor. Third floor is offices. And the fourth floor is a woman's shelter. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that well. Um, how did you get into this side of the performance world and the producing side? And we're going to get to your, I also want to make sure that we get to your own art practice as well in this, but, uh, because I know you, I know you as an artist, but then you're also in the production side. How did that happen? I, I went to NYU Tisch. In what track? Originally, I was a Cap 21 kid. What's that? That's What's that? Musical theater. It doesn't exist anymore. No. But like when you apply for theater school there for a conservatory, they like place you in a school. So you're like forced into like Stella Adler, Lee Strasberg, Meisner, or like ETW, Playwrights Horizons. Which is where I taught That's for a while. So many. And then Cap Twenty One, which is now now they made their own musical. It's like a general musical theater okay. thing that Tish made up. Is that because you sang and danced at your? I don't, I mean... Audition? I I only sang and did a monologue. I didn't actually dance, but dance is just, I danced since I was six. Right. So that's like my strong suit. What did you sing and what did you monologue? I forget. I think I sang, I sang Lydia the Tattoo Lady. What? What that? that? Like, like Kermit the Frog sings it, like on the Muppets, but I think it's like also an older song. How okay. does it go? 
I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't like singing, so it's like, that's a lot. really funny. You already, like, but I'm so glad that we have you singing the thing from Wizard of Oz on this. That makes me really happy because you did, at least I have I found that. it. At yeah. least I have that. So you sang Lydia the Tattoo Lady. Yeah, and I think I, I did a monologue from a Carol Churchill play where like, I'm like this dad and he's, it's like very like abstract and like he like eats himself. Not cloud nine. I forget. And it's like 18. a family at a dinner table. And I think it like kind of repeats mm. itself and gets more and more like crazy. Blue kettle. Maybe. Okay. Anyhow, she's anyway. amazing. So you did a totally inappropriate monologue. That's a totally age. appropriate monologue. A, a dad. Yeah. I, but I like ate myself. I like slowly like worked my way up and like it closes like, oh, but can I eat my mouth? And then mm-hmm. I try and I do it. Were you I physicalizing mean, all this eating? Yeah. I so mean, they I were very like, like, musical theater is your root, yeah. young man. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. They were like, get this queen into the next production of what have you. Yeah. And so did you finish NYU as a Century 21? No, I like... The Century, Century 21, 21 student. <laughs> I left Century 21 and... Um, like, literally a semester in, I was, like, I looked around, I was, like, looking at the training. It's very, like, on track mm. to, like, be successful, like, get your union card, go to Broadway. Mm. Yeah. And I was, like, I can't do this. I can't sing Wicked during lunch breaks. Oh. Like, um, and so I tried to transfer to the dance department, and I didn't get in. So then I took, like, a summer intensive to try to, like, catch up on my ballet terminology because I only did Chinese folk dance growing up so right. I didn't like I could dance but I didn't like know like Tombe Padabure was a thing right huh. um, so it's really hard to do a ballet class and everything is like a foreign language as she says in uh, the remake of Suspiria if you're going to be a dancer you have to speak French oh my. Mm. well untrue <laughs> anyway. um, completely not true but then I Anyhow. transferred to the dance department and left after Two semesters. And so then, two, two years. did you finish out the dance department? Then I finished out the dance program. Because mm-hmm. it's not a four-year program, it's much shorter. Right. It's a three-year program. Mm-hmm. I don't call that much. <laughs> oh, well, well, one less. So did you do two but then years I, then, or did you have to do three? Of- I was like, I was in school for four years, but mm-hmm. then I finished out my final year just doing the dance requirements, because I mm-hmm. finished out my, like, academic things. Right. So anyway, to answer your original question, I was... When I got to the dance department, I was sort of like looking around and I was like, like, this isn't going to be a like viable career for myself. I can't like live here. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to look for an internship. And I got my first internship at Misnomer Dance Theater with Chris Elam. Right. I did that for like a summer and then um, started entering at DTW. And I did that. And then... Luckily, like, the timing just worked out where there was a full-time, like, job opening. That was, like, the front desk position. But it was, like, front desk, studio rentals, database stuff, and, like, a bunch of other things. Oh, and managing Carla Peterson's, like, schedule Uh and travel and stuff, who was the artistic director of Dance Theater Workshop then. What year was that when you got that That was... I started interning in 2008, and then I got that job in 2010. Right. I remember meeting you... In 2009, when oh. I had a studio series Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So you were really, you were seeing the inner workings of all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that was a programming internship, so I was immediately, like, 
just in that world. Were you like, like super inspired and excited and like everything was fun and new? I was, I was really inspired in the sense that I think it was like, it was definitely my first entry point into like progressive contemporary dance, like right. below 20th street kind of right. thing. Like before that, like I think like Shen Wei and maybe Palabolus were like kind of the most like contemporary works I'd seen. Wow. And I would like watch Paul Taylor videotapes as a kid, but it was like performed by ABT in San Francisco or something. Right. So it was like a very narrow mind of what was even possible in movement and dance and performance. Right. Which is probably why I ended up going to musical theater because that was like this well-rounded track to do. But then I realized once moving to New York that there are all these other options. You could like make dances that are just about ideas and not about story and... What were you performing you know. at NYU in the concerts? Um, it was like, <laughs> we did a Doug Verone piece. It was the Nikolai Centennial or something. So we actually like... Wow. We performed some Nikolai pieces. So I like that. I love like real old throwback. Pulled it out like, of the historical attic. stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, was Phyllis still there? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was my composition teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she, had, we, she and I had arguments about what was the most powerful line like in space. Oh. <laughs> I forget what she declared. I think she was declaring that it was a diagonal line. And then I think I just wanted to kind of like prove her wrong or something. So I think I said it was like just straight across or something. And you were like, the Rockettes. It's from up stage center to down stage center. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly. Um, While screaming. But Ben, you were, are you from a Chinese family? No, I'm half Japanese. And, but you were doing Chinese folk dance. Yeah. Interesting. Where? In Minneapolis. Where I grew up. Did you know yeah. that you grew up in Minneapolis? I don't mm-hmm. think I knew that. Mm-hmm. No. Do you know yeah. Jack's from Wisconsin? No, I I'm from I'm... rural Wisconsin. Oh. We might have had a moment where we talked about that and then like moved on with our lives. Probably. I feel it feels <laughs> vaguely familiar that I said if you drove to Madison, you would have gone through my town. Isn't? Oh. Aren't you from Minnesota? Oh. And, our, and Jeremy is from. Can you Saint even Cloud. believe this? Oh my God! Even Can very... you believe? Yeah, yeah. It's a real Midwestern triangle here. So, how did your dance training start? I I don't even remember, to be honest. I think I was, like, crazy and, like, running around the house. And I don't know. This My mom told me that I saw The Nutcracker with Brzezhnikov and Gilsey Kirkland mm-hmm. on PBS. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, obsessed and, like, wore out the tape. And then my mom put me in ballet class. And I did that for, like, I don't know, like... A year or two. Your mother is Japanese. Yeah. So I was in ballet, but then someone at my dad's office, her daughter was in this like Chinese dance school and was like, oh, your son dances. Like he should come and take like this master class. We have a teacher from Beijing who's here, yada, yada. So I went and took that and like baby Ben was like, this is so much cooler than ballet. Yeah. What did you do? Tell us about what the classes were. In Chinese dance? Yeah. I mean, it's folk dance. So it's like all the minority groups of China. So it's like, maybe that's like what I liked about it was that you're just learning such a diverse number of forms of movement. Like Mongolian dance is like drastically different than Tibetan from like somewhere like in Southeastern China. And are you playing with props? Yeah, we did. Well, the first dance I learned was just like hands. Like it was sort of like Chinese basics kind of a thing. So it's like some martial arts kind of influences in there. Um, like everything is sort of like turned out versus like 
turned in when your arms are out. And um, lots of props. We learned a like Cambodian coconut dance in my first year. Um, there's like pom-poms. Like I love sword dances, ribbon dances. I mean, I love your TBT posts about it on oh. Instagram. Oh yeah. Have you not seen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Sleeves, scarves. Sleeves and scarves. All the fans. Fans. Yeah, fans are great fun. So good. All yeah. the best things for a gay boy. Yeah, flags. Flag dancing is really cool. It's like martial arts and flags. You're just like spinning so you, them. you're a person who can throw something up and catch it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, maybe back in the day. That's incredible to me. Yeah. People who do color guard, I really... Oh, nothing no. like it. Rhythmic gymnasts. A rhythmic oh, gymnast yeah. is... Well, I mean, that's kind of... That's, that's kind of like God. Next level. I yeah. mean, that's really like talking about someone who's touched by the spirits. So would you... <laughs> you would do like festive performances in traditional clothes, fans, scarves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And how long did you do that? I did that until freshman year of high school and then it was like a really small school so then it just sort of disbanded like you know all the kids grew up and then I would I didn't I stopped dancing I just did like drama club in high school what did you like to do in drama club like you know you get in all the things you know you get in the shows and it was you I mean it was good for me it's like you had community um yeah. like middle school was hell did you I get a lead role doing. in a play in a musical no I was never the lead I was always like chorus or like hmm. the goofy kid like senior year of high school i was eugene in greece you know i don't remember who eugene is he's eugene? The, he has a bigger role in like the musical libretto but he's like the nerd oh okay i was kaniki oh nice does eugene have a song to sing he doesn't have a song no. tragic he has like a moment with like cha-cha whoever that is right in the Who's cha-cha in the prom or the dancey cha-cha scene. you know reed cha-cha <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was like student choreographer so i like i choreographed one of one or two of the numbers and then how many schools did you apply to or was nyu really did you know you wanted to come to new york no no i was like i was really hell-bent on northwestern because i was a right. cherub Oh yeah, it's like What's that. A high, it's like a high school theater cult program. It happens. It's it happens. Well, at everything Northwestern. I've never heard of anything we're talking about today. It's, it's kind incredible. of like you know how there's Interlochen Arts Camp. Yes. So there's one in at Northwestern for theater. Uh huh. So it's theater kids, but that also means like theater design kids. Uh huh. So it isn't just the actors. It's also pre-college. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. You like. You also, like, you're in acting, and then you can also do a track. So I did, like, a lighting track. So I, like, learned how to hang lights. And st- it was, like, my first foray, like, outside of, like, public high school theater shows where, like, people from all over the country come together. So you wanted to go to Northwestern. I wanted to go to Northwestern. I applied to Emerson. Tish. For what? What would you have gone to Emerson for? I think they had a theater, like, a musical oh, okay. theater kind uh-huh. of a thing. And I applied to University of Minnesota. Um, and then you came yeah. to NYU. But I think, yeah. Well, NYU Tisch was the only, like, conservatory program right. I got into. Right. Um, everywhere else, it was just, like, Were your parents, like, academics. how dare you? It's so expensive. I mean, yeah, a bit. But... <laughs> <laughs> Do you have siblings? I have two, two siblings. Younger brother, older sister. Did you yeah. grow up speaking two languages at home? 
No, no. My mom, I'm fourth generation. Oh, wow. So, so my mom's far. like a post-war baby. So like a lot, there's actually a lot of like third generation Japanese Americans that are just, they don't speak, they have mm-hmm. English names because their parents were like interned during the war, like my oh, grandparents yeah. were. And they're just like, oh my God, let's tell you up in Minnesota because there was work. Wow. And my grandpa would say that he was Native American. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And like, they got like reparations from George Bush Sr. And like people would like go up to my grandma in the supermarket and be like, you took my tax money. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was... Americans are hideous. <laughs> Rest assured, they will always disappoint. It's pretty rough up in there. Ugh. Okay, so back to producing. So then you're at DDW, you're doing that. Oh, right. And then what happens... Wait, I have a question. Okay. Oh. Which is when school's over and you're starting these admin kind of... Well, not... What would you call them? Hmm? What do you call jobs working it in, in the... the administration? Yeah. yeah. Admin. Arts admin. Yeah. Arts admin. Arts admin. Are you also, like, going to auditions and being a dancer and taking class? Yeah, so I was also trying that. I was, like, very... I was very, like into school but then also like trying to see more of what's out there because it was very even though it's like nyu and they say like the city is your campus it's like super sheltered and especially tish dance i feel like it might be very different now it's under sean curran and different mm-hmm. leadership and teachers but when i was there like generally there wasn't a lot of um effort to like show you what's happening just like two blocks down at dance space project right um, so weird So I would, like, see a lot of shows. Like, I would go to BAM, I would go to the Joyce, and then, as I found out about them, like, the kitchen. Like, I saw Chunky move at the kitchen, and I was like, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) They did that solo with the... With the light thing. With the light. Yeah. That was, like, my mind when I first saw it. I want to do that. (laughs) It was fun. It It was, was, like, lights. It was so crazy, like, going that far west for the first time. Going all the way over to 10th Avenue. It felt <laughs> wild. Like, What's going to happen to me? Uh-huh. Um, but I would see a lot of work. I would was take there a lot of... any that you felt you wanted to be in? I mean, I was keeping my eye on Shen Wei, mm-hmm. probably for, like, the obvious, like, Chinese modern influences reasons. Um, did you ever audition for it? I did. I did once. They did that thing where, you, like, you have to just walk. <laughs> what year? I don't remember. It was, like... Forever ago. Were we all sitting there staring at you? Yeah, like the entire company just sits there and watches. <laughs> Horrible. How um, did you feel during that read when people would audition? <laughs> I felt very protective. Of them, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was like, this feels wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I auditioned for things. I remember I auditioned for the... Hello? Oh, I think it's my friend Andrew. Barty. Why is he here? I told him to come when we were done, but he'll just sit. Okay. <laughs> I auditioned for that West Side Story revival when that happened. So I was also like still kind of like keeping tabs on like, oh, I could still maybe go this like commercial right. theater route and make, you know, save some money. Um, yeah, I was still trying to like see what it might be to like be a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tore my quadricep, my final year of school. And I like didn't know it was like hurt and I just kept dancing on it. And then like I finally went to like the doctor and they're like, oh yeah, there's like a like tear in there. And then there's like permanent scar tissue damage. Oh. So it's still like, I'm sure if I like did really, really intense physical therapy and like was really like committed to it, I could like 
what be are a the, performer, but it's like I don't. It's how very does it deter you? What it, What are your physical limitations? It's really like grumpy to like <clears throat> jump and like land on just my right leg oh, kind of a thing. Like it feels like things just like tighten up and it mm-hmm. might tear open again or something. I think right. it's like half psychological, I'm sure, but yeah. like, um, yeah, traumatic. Wow. Which probably also informed why I like really committed to like this full-time job offer, moving into arts admin, but I also like love it. And that's, I mean, I think that's sort of the tricky part with arts admin is frequently it will be performers, performance makers who are looking for it as a side job, but it's, it's a side job. Yeah. And so, and the love of it, if you don't love it, it becomes a train. Yeah. So it's amazing that you love it. And yeah. that is probably also why it's, I mean, I mean, it's why it's become consistent. What was the shift from DGW to Nyla then like for you? Um, I mean, it was, it was, I was in an interesting position. I was very much a fly in the wall since at that point I was upstairs into the office and full time the artistic director's assistant. Right. So I had like a really strong allegiance to Carla Peterson and the dance theater workshop people. And a lot of those people had obviously been there longer than I had, so they had very, like, strong political reasons and knew a lot more about, like, reasons behind it, the backdoor conversations, what each respective board had stake in Mm. that I was pretty oblivious to, I'm sure. Um, So then I was... so I don't know, it's just interesting. I think I was just, like, really just soaking it all in at that point. Um, And what kind of artists were you getting interested in like whose careers were you really following at this point um or i was just seeing a ton of work at that point i think i was just trying to like get a lay of the land like there's just like so much too much yeah when you have a position when you're working at some place like nyla in that position can you just like call over to the kitchen or ps122 and get a ticket yeah that was that that was a definitely another good thing about it like because I worked in the programming department. Like once I w- like when I was like managing studio rentals now, but like when I was Carla's assistant, like if she couldn't see something but just needed an eye to see something, then I could ask like on her behalf for me to go and see a show. And then you'd have to have a conversation with Carla to be like it was like this. Yeah. This is how I felt about it. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Like ca- kind of casual like, "Oh, how was that?" And I would kind of tell her. I don't know like how much she took out of that from her assistant, but... The opinion, <laughs> opinion minion. Opinion minion, yeah. And then what were you at Nyla? What did your job change to at Nyla? It became... I actually think the merger enabled me to then move up and become mm-hmm. a full-time... First I was assistant to the artistic director, and then within like a year or something, I became like a producing associate and assistant. Right. Um, so yeah, that was good because when Carla, basically it was kind of like, a. I think like when the merger happened, there were a lot of conflicting opinions about like who was going to be artistic director and like what titles meant, what was Bill T. Jones's role going to be. Um, it was sort of like, I don't know, they always talk about it like it was this new 
invention or the new a new kind of institutional structure having a like lead artist at the helm of a presenting institution but then Carla Peterson was still there and had such ties to the community and to all the artists and Bill had been focusing on his own career so it was just like detached from what was really happening on the ground in like New York's downtown mm. dance community. So what was it eventually that that made Carla leave? She wanted to move to a different situation or she was uncomfortable in her situation at Nyla? Um, it just wasn't, there was conflict, you know? I mean, I was there for, they would, her and Bill would have weekly meetings mm-hmm. um, from day one of the merger, even before like it was public. It was like every week they had a meeting and sometimes they would just like, there's supposed to be an hour and they would go on for like three hours. Wow. What it was about? my job to take notes. On what were they those. talking about? It was really just to get to know each other. Cause like they sort of knew of each other, but like it became, it was actually mostly philosophical. Um, sometimes they'll get really kind of verbally violent. Um, wow. Cause you know, Bill, he has like, yeah. he's a big personality, has really strong opinions. And, um, and I think, I'm sure it was really scary coming into that kind of a position you know, it's really, you feel really vulnerable. Right. And he's this kind of older gay man who has this big personality and he just kind of takes it out in a different kind of a way. <laughs> but I think it was a very um, difficult position for Carla to be in. I think she like felt like she was there, however many years that was, like two or three years after the merger happened and really like saw through like her artists that she had committed to and had conversations with. And ultimately today they're like supporting the same sort of niche community of artists. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, true. Carla's at, and then the Mansi job came, I think she was offered it. Yeah. Wasn't she? Yeah. I think so. So, I mean, it made sense to go somewhere to be more at the helm, or at least that's what it seemed like. Yeah, I think it was a good move for her. I think she was really sad to leave New York, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to kind of like start fresh. Why was working at the Armory so tedious? Uh, I don't even know if tedious is the right word. It's just some, um, it's very high stakes, large scale like really high expectations. Mm. And how did that job happen? So Michael Lonergan, who is a producing director at Live Arts, right. left to go back to the Armory. Okay. Um, and then he poached me and asked me. It was, it was kind I of perfect timing. He punched me. I was like, that's Poached. Because Carla, Carla left Live Arts because she got the Mansi job. Right. And then Michael left to go back to the Armory and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, looking for work, looking for work. Um, and I knew like, during the merge, I was like, I'm gonna stay and support Carla. Like, that was my thing. I was like, I'm gonna stay, see this through. And then once Carla left, I was like, okay, done. Let's look. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's, he asked me to go over there. And, and you did. And I did. Basically, it's like, I mean, the good things are that I learned an insane amount about what it really means to like produce work. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of downtown institutions that kind of 
toss around these words presenting, producing, but to really like be an institution that owns projects like truly from fruition and are there with the artists at every production meeting and facilitating every line item, putting dancers and performers on payroll, hiring a stage manager, um, and really putting their stamp on it. It's something that the Armory does like they're one of the few that do that do it, and I right. think they do it super well. And on this like really huge, really huge scale. But then they also program in the front in those um, in the mm-hmm. front house right. in those historical rooms. So they right. also do like smaller like recitals and mm-hmm. like music kind of things. But yeah, Are it really you taught there me like for the Marina show. With Marina's. Bob? Oh that? no, that was before me. That was before you. But I my last kind of project that I was onboarding there was Marina's project with Igor Levitt, the pianist. It was that right. thing where he played the Goldberg variations and you like put on noise canceling headphones and sit and the piano kind of rotates. So you don't hear it. Well, you like go in. You <laughs> Are you ready on... for this read? I know about this. Whatever. <laughs> I don't I'm going to have Ben explain it. You walk in, uh-huh, There's uh-huh. you put all your stuff into like a storage locker, so you're like freed from all your like yes. belongings and devices okay. and distractions. Fine. You go into the drill hall, you put on noise canceling headphones, and you sit in a like beach chair. Okay, so nap time. Basically, I mean, so you sit there like in silence for I don't know however long, and then you hear a big gong, and that's when you take it off. So it's kind of like that's your time to like recalibrate. Oh. And while you're sitting there, this like piano is just like slowly, like coming down this runway <laughs> like floating well that sounds nice and then you take off your headphones and then like the piano spins and plays Goldberg variations and then it's over oh you go home so the it was delightful yeah so you like get to sit in silence and you wake up and then you listen to the Goldberg variations yeah oh that's nice yeah it was super nice it was like reimagining what like the concert going experience what other big be. productions happened while you were there uh my first production was the Berlin Philharmonic they uh-huh. did St. Matthew's Passion. Wow. Long. Peter Sellers' direction. Um, Peter. Yeah. Lovely. Gives Lovely. the best, gives the best hugs. hugs. Best That's hugs. That's right. I mean, hugs everyone. Every time he sees you, big hugs. That's hug. true. And he's genuine. genuine. And he's also like, it's been so long since I've seen you. And you feel like we never met. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, did that. Oh, what was it? I don't know. We did. Um, Anthony or Anoni. No, I wasn't there for Anoni. That was after me. That was after you, okay. I was there for the Douglas Gordon, Helene Grimaud piece. It was with the giant, basically the entire drill hall filled with water. And there were like pianos in the center of the pool. And she would walk along on the water and then play like music, water inspired piano music. Right. I did hear that that was really beautiful. It was, it's like hands down one of my favorite, like, performance experiences ever but like many, many of the, the things worst. I've seen at the armory are like visually the most incredible things I've seen that they're like they yeah. can make such beautiful things in yeah there. it's incredible well and having worked at the armory and seeing like what they're capable of of scale with budget and with like a really like skeleton staff is part of why I'm so frustrated with how kind of lackluster the shed is mm. You know? I haven't seen anything there yet. You haven't? No, but I read. You should go. I mean, I it's saw like the you can like Reich Richter thing, but I haven't been in Reed like, loved the Reich Richter. You I, did? I enjoyed it. Did you like the artwork? No. No. The wall vinyl? That was <laughs> the wall vinyl in the first room was really like it, I said to the person I went with, I was like, 
looks like they went to Kinko's and like had this. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. But the like the jacquard textiles of the of the Reich things were cool, which was fine. And the singers were so incredible in the first room that that was fine. Like the music. It was fine. Well, the music in the first room was so lovely. It was uh-huh. so brief, though. And then the music in the second room was also great. I think musically it was a good show. Visually it was fine. Yeah. I think that I was wondering why they would waste so much space with the projection. I'm like, why are we looking at such a small projection of this artwork uh, when we have all this space? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. It seems like an odd opener. Well, I mean, what's... What do you feel is going on there? I don't know. I mean, I worked with Alex Poots when he was director at the Armory. Right. And so, like, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that it's, like, I mean, his whole, like, thing that I think he's well known for is kind of, like, you know, playing on the edge of, like, pop culture, commercialism, and, like, merging celebrity with high art Mm. and, like, making these kind of large, successful productions out of it. I mean, he did the, I think something that is so incredible to me that he did was the Paul McCarthy, uh, the artist, the, he's the visual artist. Right. Yeah. That that was incredible. Doing that show, it it was so felt, I mean, I think obviously Paul's very famous in the, or I would say is famous in the visual art world, but to have, to bring it into a more installation performance place at that size, Mm -hmm. at that scale felt really... Uh, exciting to me in terms of that level of mm-hmm. art star and who is an art star around the world but I, I was I did think it was really a great curation yeah that was hands down one of my favorite yeah like New York yeah art it was he does oh, uh, it was I mean he does these very sort of grotesque uh, over-the-top um, surreal perverse uh, uh, sculptures, but also video work, and that'll be. Uh, this was mainly Snow White. I think was mm-hmm. that was that one, but yeah, uh, all of the dwarves had these penis noses, and oh. there were all of these. It's basically like artistic pornography. Yeah, and like you could like walk through the woods and look into the dwarves house and Walt Disney would be like naked with a broomstick up his ass. Like that kind of a thing. And then they had like on huge screen projections, like the sort of like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, like orgy playing with like people screaming and like, but like actors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Performers. A friend of mine was one of his performers for a while, which is how I saw his work in my early twenties. Yeah. But, and this, and so it does feel that there is this, bi- a very big shift in at least the programming thus far. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know what's, I, I honestly don't know what's happening there. And I, I can't pretend like I could even like begin to take on that kind of a role myself. But mm-hmm. I mean, when you have like so much experience behind you and so much money and so much support and so many resources and connections, it's just, I don't know, it's just really well, so upsetting what, that, like... Well, so far, it's been, what, what has it been? It's been the Reichsrichter, it's been the Bjork. The Bjork Commission, they just opened that. Dragon Spring, And now we have thing. this, this is what we're talking about, which has been a somewhat of a debacle, and critically. 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it seems pretty unanimous. <laughs> yeah. That one. And why? Like, what is it about this show? You saw it. I saw I saw, I saw the final preview. What is the show about? Or what was the idea? The plot it? is like these two baby twins are separated at birth. <laughs> the mom is good. The dad is a bad guy. And then like an intermission happens. And then they're like teenagers. And then they meet. And then the good mom and the bad dad make their kids, like, fight against each other for, like, for some reason. There's, like, some eternal, like, life well power. Is this based on, like, traditional story? Probably not. I mean, it sounds pretty generic to me. Okay. And then they, like, fight, but then the kids are, like, then, like, no, we're brothers and sisters. Like, they know that they're brothers and sisters before they even have the showdown. So then, like, immediately they're just, like, all fighting, like, the bad dad. Oh. I don't even remember how it ends. But intermittently, there's, like, Sia covers by, like, these Who's dancers. singing them? The dancers. Like, the actors. And how is that? Um, they can't, they can't sing. I don't think they sang at the audition. I see. Uh-huh. Was there foi harnessing <laughs> around? Like, some what? Fl- foi harnessing flying around? Lots of flying, uh-huh. but, like, who cares? Uh-huh. I mean, I guess people do. That's why they Peter Pan. did it. That's why Peter Pan comes back and back and back. But at least uh-huh. with Peter Pan, it's part of the story. Totally. Like, it's built into the story. There's a narrative behind why so this was like he's a, in a harness. Kind like of Crouching Tiger, but you could see the wires. Not even Crouching Tiger, though. It was just, like, there would be, like, a moment where suddenly, like, ten people would descend from the ceiling of the shed. And then suddenly, like the good mom would, like, come back to life, but they would, like, float her in the air on a harness. Mm -hmm. And that was really it. That was the only time they ever... And then at the very end, like, the brother and sister, like, go up in a harness, Cirque du Soleil style. Uh, But it never advances anything. The songs don't advance anything. The martial arts are, like, the best thing, but it's just kind of everything's leading up to these kind of, like, five minutes of really well-executed, like, Well, in a situation like that... You know, the, there's the curator, and then there's the creative team, and you don't really know as the curator what will end up happening. True. True. But someone read this script and had to have seen that it was like... <laughs> like, if you're doing, like, a musical, you someone has to read the libretto and say, like, oh my god, there's real substance and a real A producer reads that. Well, that's sort of the thing of curator and producer. I mean, who's the producer? I mean, they listed who the producer was, but I don't know to the extent right. that they right. were like how involved they creatively were. I mean, producing or if they're like line producing. Yeah, it does sort of sound Broadway. Yeah, but it's a nonprofit, so you have you have a mission statement. Wow. You have different goals. Right. You're like, you're base. You're, the institution is a public servant. So what is this piece of work doing for the public? Right. As far right. as I'm concerned, it's not doing anything so far. I mean, they have the open call program, which is like their saving grace. Because it's like... That? Kimberly Bartosik is oh, in yes, it. Yes, it's yes. like... Um, not that Kimberly Bartosik is. I'm sorry, no, Kim but, um, Brandt. Yeah. Kim Brandt. Yeah. Kim Brandt is in um, But it's like 50 artists through like an open call process. Visual artists, performing artists, musicians, each given like what I've been told is like a nice size commission money. It is. Space. It um, is. I think it's 12,000, which is really 
pretty incredible for a residency in New York City. Yeah. I'm hard-pressed to think of another residency that offers that. I mean, I don't know how much residency time they get, though, you know? I know they get presented, and there's been performances, Mm -hmm. and they have a group show that's up right now that I Mm -hmm. haven't seen yet. Um, But all this to say, I'm, like, mainly going off of the really large-scale, big-budget, like, public-facing things that The Shed is doing. Right. I've been kind of... Well, and that you were part of a big budget public performance thing with that with uh, when the you were armory. at the armory yeah. with him. So, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. What kind of, like, what kind of intervention is possible on the part of a curator in a situation like that? Where they see this thing unfolding that they're like, oh, this is not, the quality of this is bad or it's not sending the right message. Like, can there be intervention at a certain point or not really? I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the person. Some people are super hands-on like that, and some people aren't, you know? Like, I just somehow feel like when so much is at stake, like, you kind of have to hold that responsibility. Um, And maybe it's a thing where, like, when you're working with, like, the writers of Kung Fu Panda and Trolls, like... That's who wrote this. Yeah, they wrote the China show very weird Um, and so who knows maybe they're just like too busy who chooses them like how are those people chosen to take on a project like this i think it's all alex that's kind of his like recipe he marries people from different i see like Like commercial and high art backgrounds because the director is like an opera director um who's chinese and then or maybe Taiwanese. Anyway, I think he's Chinese. But um, the writers are these white guys. Old white guys. They're right. I think they're kind of young. They're not that old. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the choreographer is... Akram, Akram Khan. Khan. Akram Khan. Who, like... Ugh. Well, I mean, it's, it's, he's a tricky one. Rough. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, I he's mean, made a whole career over the past couple decades on, like... I'm not going to say appropriation, but through this exploration of international dance and inside of his own work of being like, oh, I have this Chinese dancer and I have this East Indian dancer. And I, you know, so like maybe they felt like, oh, Akram Khan would be the right person for this job and bringing a kind of Asian culture uh. <laughs> to life or something. Right. Well, it's not inter- his Asian culture, but well, it's yeah. his career is interesting. I mean, I remember the thing with that he said about, female choreographers and... I don't remember that. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to get into right. it, but it was a real, it was sort of like, wow. It was... It, anyhow, amazing. Kudos, you. Kudos, Akram. There, you oh, are yeah. all set. No, Ben, no kudos. Oh, no, no I'm just saying. Do you guys remember like, those, brec- those, like, cereal bars called Kudos? Yeah, of course. What was it? It was a granola bar was covered it like in chocolate? M&M's? Those at, I, mean, I don't think it was a breakfast bar. But it was a granola bar. Maybe. But more, Maybe. like, it was a hybrid candy granola bar. Yeah. I, I almost feel like looking it. up what Akram comes out about female choreographers right now. It was... Go to town. I can't, because my phone's recording. You'd have to look it up oh. on hers. Um, you keep talking about kudos. Kudos, me. Uh, to talk about kudos. Uh, we don't have to talk about kudos. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it has... Sent, what did the... How did the audience... Did they love it? Did people stand up? 
people were uh, I don't know because I think the thing that's interesting always with these with pieces that's not an indicator of anything I well that's why I've watched audiences stand up for unbelievably bad that's why I'm bringing it up is because I also think there's a thing of what you know it's some people do want just entertainment and are okay to look beyond whatever uh, social, political issues might be at play inside of a piece, or rather not at play enough. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and that is, but that was is what makes a very interesting point about well, what is the mission statement of this place if it's not Broadway, if it's not a for-profit King Kong extravaganza just a place for uh to come and uh watch a live action movie in front of you which it sounds like that's where there's some friction inside of mission statement versus this product i guess so i mean it's also a question of like if you're if you've built a space that's so big that you're like we have to program in order to like ensure that we can sell 1200 seats. Right. Like why build the building? Right. And that's not the end of it. There's going to be more. There's like the Perelman or whatever at the world trade center that's being built. And that's like a multiplex. Oh, that is fully flexible performance center. So that is going to happen. It's definitely happening. And is it the artistic director still going to be the guy from young Vic? Uh, or the Oregon Shakespeare Festival or something. Maybe maybe came from the Young Vic. I, I think know. you're right. But a white guy. Um, do you want to hear what Akram Khan said? Oh, what did yeah. he say? Oh, great. Um, his, his response to concerns from within the dance sector about the lack of female choreographers, um, he says numbers should not be increased for the sake of it. The contemporary choreographer's comments come after claims that women are offered few opportunities to progress, particularly in creating work for large-scale venues. Khan describes the issue as a big topic, but said the ratio of female to male choreographers fluctuates at different times. It's impossible to recognize that there's an imbalance, but there was an imbalance before for male choreographers. Pina Bausch, (laughs) Martha Graham, the godmothers of contemporary dance, they were the big figures before, also at different times. He doesn't say that. But for this generation, it's slightly... Yeah, Martha yeah, Graham, Pina Bausch. Like, remember when those two were... Remember just, when they were making dance at the same time? I mean, they were, in a way. She made it. dance for 100 years. Uh-huh. The grandmothers of contemporary dance, they were big figures before, but for this generation, it's slightly different. It's slightly shifted, he told the stage. Uh, slightly shifted. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was this, I remember there was this old blowback against that. And then he was like, well, what I meant was they just shouldn't be selected because we need to increase the numbers, but on their, on their merit, as if we function in a meritocracy. Right. As if that has ever happened. As if we don't live in the long standing oppressive shadow of misogyny. How dare you? It's also as if he's saying that these the female choreographers don't exist, as if he's right. seen yeah, yeah, all yeah. of the female choreographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if that's how he's spending his time. Yeah. Oh. Um. Wow. Yeah, I remember Martha Graham, Pina Bausch. Remember the shift like, there in was, time. There was just all these female choreographers. I can name two of them. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can name two female choreographers. 
Look at me. And when they were making dance, do you think men were working? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Certainly not. Exactly. That's Certainly incredible. not. Poor, what about poor Balanchine? He never got to do anything. Uh-huh. What about poor Cunningham? No one gave him any opportunities. <laughs> what about Paul Taylor? Nothing happened for him. Aww. Well, at any rate. Yeah, yeah. Well, at any rate, there I you have it. I hope he made an absolute fortune off of Dragon Phoenix Sun Rising. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, I'm sure everyone's paid nicely yeah I would hope so I can assume so so like there's that silver lining I I mean look it's so hard to make anything that's absolutely true and a lot of you know I mean that we live in a time that is incredibly conservative is also true and uh, it's a really polarizing time so I think there are there's a lot of people who just want to play it not just safe but almost sort of violently safe is sort of what it feels like at times oh. I don't know if they were trying to play it safe I think they thought they were like really on to something really you know? they thought this was some boundary pushing yeah I'm sure here's also the thing I feel like this complex where the shed is located is so emblematic of this kind of sad direction that New York is moving in, this kind of commercialization and tourism-driven space. And I think The Shed knows where it is. And it's like, we have to build productions that people who are shopping at this hideous mall can also just walk over and come see. Maybe. Because if they're at this disgusting mall, you know, buying a Tory Burch bag, they also might want to come see Kung Fu Panda the musical. But here's the thing about that, too, is that people... The shed already had and has so much, like, hoopla around the building itself. Mm. And, like, if you ever go to the Hudson Yards, like, you're trapped. There's nowhere else to go. It's a terrifying place. If you're going all the way over there to that mall, Mm -hmm. you just want to, like, hey, let's see what's happening at the shed, and you have the means and the money to just, like, buy a ticket on the spot. Um, Why not have it? Mine was 25, but it was like a like deal. So what would normal tickets be? I don't know what they're going for. I don't know. I I think they're like something. I think like a top ticket is like probably like hundred. After Ben's incredible Instagram story, I won't be buying a ticket. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Did you get any feedback on your Instagram story about it? Yeah, I got like some nice like affirmations about. Oh, but you didn't hear from Alex or anything. No, No. I don't think he's on Instagram. Mm. So my best. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I tagged the shed though. I don't think they. But no one from the, no one from the shed reached out. I mean, to why would they? It, right? I don't know. I'm sure a ton of people are. I'm sure they get tagged like. Also, crazy. I'm sure they probably get like upset letters, and I'm sure they get a lot of feedback. Well, the comments on their Instagram posts were like a lot of like, "I'm a shed member, and I want a refund." Kind Incredible. Of a I was like, <gasps> "Wow, tagged. I want a refund." Yeah. Well, but then a lot of people were like hating on it for sort of the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Like what? Like they were like. I went to a preview and the intermission was too long because they had to oh. clean up some water. You know, it's like when you get like those people. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's That's very so New York. good. That's it's New York so people good. who are like, nah, my time is valuable. <laughs> wow, I can't. So it is all going through the, uh, that the World Trade Center theater is happening. It that is. complex. Is oh, but I, what I was saying is like, if you know you have like this kind of publicity and like, your, like, finger wrapped around people that are, like, trapped in this, like, 
mini mall. Mm-hmm. Like, why not try to educate them? Why not like if they're already going to just buy a ticket, why not let them buy a ticket to something incredible? Very good point. Because I truly believe that like everything is like probably ninety percent crap. Like whether it be commercial, whether it even be downtown experimental, totally. like totally. I believe that there's a sliver of everything that like someone can really attach to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think like you could do that at that scale with that kind of a budget, with those kinds of resources. It is exciting to think about what could happen. Yeah. With that budget, with those resources. I'm still hopeful. I don't know. You know, it's like their first year, I also get like opening a brand new space. And, like, making, like, pretty major decisions without having, like, really physically, you know, felt it and been there. Like, that has to be difficult. I'm sure this whole thing will be very good information for them moving forward. There you go. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he must be smart. And yeah. I'm, I am sure that he doesn't isolate his information to only his yes people. So, uh... You know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that information is taken in and what's done with it. Yeah. And I think that's... High hopes. Yeah, high hopes. I, I'm, there is this thing of what will happen with these theaters being built in New York and what's going to come in. What Will it always, will it always need to be mega star people or mm. will there be ways to foster people in their mid and later career who have been birthed out of New York. I think that's always, that's the thing that's always the question with these larger institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see with in both that and also with the new theater building. How, what was your transition to performance space? Um, I supplied. I, um, I was at the armory and I was really burnt out. Like people use that word a lot like I actually like felt what real burnout was in a really major way and so I was kind of like but I knew I wouldn't it's also like such a good gig like I wasn't just gonna leave to leave like it had to be for something good or like better but yeah basically I took like a 30% pay cut to go be at performance space because they're offering they're hiring a producer and so it would have been like much more experience, like, really, really working directly with budgets, with contracts, a bit more directly with artists. Um, and, yeah, just kind of getting back to the kind of downtown vibe of things. But, yeah, I applied, I interviewed. And and this was when Jenny was taking over? No, that was when Vallejo was still there. Okay. So I was with Vallejo for a year. Um, and he was, like, a good... He was a really good kind of next-step boss at that stage in my life. Like, Australian, easygoing, um, very much about, like, being an excellent host for your artists, very hospitable, um, you know, doing budgets over a drink kind of a thing. So it kind of, like, because I was just, like, so, like, this, like, post, like, New York Live Arts merger, post Armory, where just, like, everything has to be perfect. Like, then it could come in and, like, really, like, chill out not everything is such high stakes but then like still have like this attention to detail and when I came in did Vallejo say I'm gonna be leaving in a year I didn't know that right. no I was there for like however long and then he said that he was leaving right but he had been he had been there for like a really long time well in the search for who the new artistic was going to be was such a that was a long process too was yeah. such a long process yeah I, I mean when it, was, it started 
I forget what the, like the PR reason for it was, but like Vallejo announced that he was leaving, like in April or something. But then he was wasn't actually leaving until I know what it was. He announced in April that he was leaving, so the search could begin. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully there'd be overlap time. Right. But then the search process just took so long. It took there, so long. There really wasn't. There wasn't, like, there wasn't official overlap. I mean, Vallejo, like, I think he and Jenny, like, obviously talked and still talk. Right. Um, How have you found time to develop and produce your own work? I mean, I've been fortunate. I mean, Carla Peterson is kind of, like, the best first boss I could have ever wished for. Because she, like, knew I was in school and then, like, knew I was a choreographer and so always supported me, like, having that kind of life. And I think I'm, like, very good at compartmentalizing myself in that kind of a way where, you know, do my nine to five and then rehearse evenings and weekends on projects. Mm. Um, And just have kept that kind of process going. And I use my vacation time for like a production week at Dance Space. And that's how I do it. I mean, it also means like I haven't, I only really make a full length work every maybe three years. So it does mean that, like things are slower. Like I very rarely, I think I've only once ever done like an out of town, week long residency kind of a thing. Um, I'm not like as well an oiled machine myself as I am with other artists right. when working for institutions. But I mean, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, I get, I only make work if like I get invited by a venue or an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dance Space has commissioned me twice mm-hmm. and they're super great to work with. Amazing staff, super supportive. Um, but yeah, I can't, I don't have, I think I just made a rule for myself that like I don't have the time to have a full-time job plus self-produce without right. like that additional kind of institutional support. Yeah. And that's so nice to have like a full-time job and then give yourself like <laughs> time to just leave your work brain and make a thing and then have yeah. it produced in a really beautiful way by like nice organizations. Yeah. That's really worked out well for you. Yeah. So far I'm like reaching a really hard tipping point. I, just got a uh, artist in residence thing at Movement Research. Great, congratulations. So that's, thank you. So that's a two year thing with like a little bit of money, but like free studio space. Yeah. And like that in New York City is like the most expensive thing yeah. that like deters you from having any kind of like the like privilege of noodling around and exploring, right. you know? Like, cause when you rent a space, like suddenly you're just like out $70. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. yeah. And um, the pressure's on. Or you, I know a lot of people that just make work out of the means of like the size of their living room or something, you know? Right. And their work is informed by that. Small. Um, yeah. Or, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm very, very excited for that. Because I don't have any like, like thing on the horizon to work towards. So now it's just like, I know I have two years where like, in terms of like what resource I have, all I'm expected to do is just like, maintain a regular studio practice, which I haven't had in like for a year and a half. Cause I had my last piece, my last commission at dance space. Mm-hmm. I remounted it at the Gucci museum. Right. And then like two months later, we reopened the performance space, right? The new spaces on first Avenue. And does your movement research 
residency culminate in an evening length work? Is that a rule? No, it do doesn't have to want? culminate in any. You have to show at Judson Church mm-hmm. in their like Monday series. How many? Times? At least once. Oh. So one time. It's, yeah, it's just like a showcase opportunity, and like that thing, it can be in whatever stage. Do you it have needs people you're planning on working with? I don't. So I don't know. I'm like. I've worked with this woman, Julie McMillan, right. for a really long time. We went to school together, and she's been in almost, like, all but one of my works. So we have, like, this very keen, like, shared understanding of our body, and she's, like... I'm, like, very particular and meticulous. Like, literally, like, move your pinky finger. <laughs> this kind of a thing. Um, and she's, like, very attuned to that. Um, and sort of like this like conduit in a way for what I'm, I'm wanting to communicate. She the really muse. is though. She's amazing. The muse. And she hasn't danced. She hasn't really danced professionally for anyone What's else. What's her job? She, um, she was working for Up To Us, which is, I don't know exactly what they do, but she worked in development for like the sports nonprofit, oh. like sports education, sports kind That's of fun. physical activity thing. Um, do you have a and, physical practice? Do you do sports? No, I don't. I don't have a physical practice. Do you okay. go to, do you run? No. Yeah, okay. I, that sounds no. like me. I, I have, like, you know, efforts to go to, like, the gym. You have a membership. Do you belong to a gym? Yeah. Uh-huh. I just do, like, a blinky thing. Uh-huh. Blink? Yeah. Is that, what is that, ten fifteen dollars What is that? Yeah, it's, like, $15. But it's, like, no frills. Like, no, no classes. Power. They have showers, but oh. no towels. Okay. And you, know, yeah. you, and you like, definitely wear flip-flops in the shower kind of a thing. Yikes. Yeah. But it's really I like all I need. Parks and Recreation, it's, it's that. Oh, okay. Right. It's scary. I mainly need to, I mainly do that because, like, I'm realizing, like, past 30, like, my body's really, like, falling apart. Like, my sacrum is totally out of whack. And so, like, if I don't at least keep up with that, um, I'm in, like, a lot of pain. Deeply relate. Yeah. 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 But I definitely want to take, like, some ballet classes this summer. I think I'm going to go on Thursday. Where? Janet. Oh, see, I can, I love her class, but I can't do it. Yeah. All the good classes are in the middle of the day. Yeah. It's insane. So us full-timers can't take part. Can you go to a 10 o'clock class? Um, I don't. I mean, Jenny's really cool, my boss. She's uh-huh. cool about it. Well, but, like, Tina and Mark Morris is really good. She teaches mornings at Mark Morris some days. Oh. And Tina what? Tina Fenland? Is she, like, older? Like, yes. She's, like, an old... Old Mark Morris. Former Mark Morris. She stages the work and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think she she was a ballet teacher at Titch. I, I really she, liked her. She's at Princeton now. She's really great. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah, very kind of, <laughs> like... Might say. Sort of like anatomical, easy. Yeah. Not about like the crazy turnout. Just a nice demeanor. Yeah, very nice oh, demeanor. Have a nice demeanor. Always, yeah. Which is why I love Janet's class. Janet has a great demeanor. So fun. I like her yeah. class a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um. What are, what is, or what are you looking forward to coming up? Either at performance space, or well, you have your own in your own practice. It's going to be the MR residency. Yeah. Are there things coming up at performance space you're looking forward to, or can't you say? I guess I can't say it. Because your season hasn't been released. Yeah, we yeah. won't release it until, like, August. Right. But I think it'll be good. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm trying to think of who's announced, like... I don't know that... I don't know what's been announced yet I don't in know. terms of seasons. I just want, like, another Kyle Abraham piece for a ballet company. 
Oh, that was fun. That's what I want. Yeah, that felt good. Yeah. That made me feel hopeful. There's, like, honestly nothing coming up where I'm, like, like, it's on my calendar and I have to make sure I see it. Jamar Roberts is making something at City Ballet. That's exciting. Uh, we knew that. What? We knew that, though. Hasn't that been announced? Long ago. Yeah. Long ago. Long! Well, in performance space, just, you guys are, have just wrapped up your season, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, do you get a break? Yeah, that's nice. I get a break. It's all, like, artist residencies right now. Great. So it's pretty, like, hands-off. I mean, I take, like, no vacation during right. the fall and the spring, and then right. I do it all in the summer. Great. Well, go to class. Yeah. You could go to class. I can, I can go to class. Make me call, go to class. Oh, my gosh. Call Rita, right and you guys can go I'm to class a, together. I'm not as advanced as you thought. Well, well, I don't go to advanced classes. Mm. I just am advanced. Oh. oh. <laughs> she is. She always was, though, without the training. She's always been clipped. It's no, but like I, I don't... I can't go to fancy classes really anymore. Oh. I mean, I can go to Ashley Tuttle's class, but I can't do her class. I just... it. I. Mm. You it can do the bar like, and then watch. No, I do all the combinations yeah. badly, but I feel safe in her class. That's good. Yeah. I just get scared when they ask you to do, like, like lots of, like, the guy things. Oh, nobody like, does that. lots of turns. And, like, nobody does that. The jumping. That's not a thing. Yeah. There's, nobody should jump anymore. <laughs> That's <true>. ridiculous. <laughs> nobody jumps. No. <laughs> That's crazy. You heard it here first. Nobody yeah. jumps. Nobody jumps. Nobody There's jumps. no need. Oh. There's some classes you could, you just won't walk into those classes. Um... Ben, thank oh. you so much for coming oh and talking. Do you have any questions for us? Anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come prepared. Ben, where do you live? Bushwick. Someone at the door. Maybe Andrew's been waiting out there. Wouldn't that be incredible? Just sitting there. Someone might be here. That's scary. Andrew? Do you want to go open the door, Reed? Come in! Wow. Oh, so scary. Oh, yeah. um, wait, where do you live? Tell me again. Bushwick. How's that? Oh. How long have you been there? Uh, I've been in Bushwick maybe 10 years in like different, lots of different apartments. I move pretty frequently, which is getting exhausting. Do you live with friends? Yeah, I live with a friend. Well, you became roommates and then became friends by being roommates. Whoa. Who is it? Michael Burke. He's an art director. Yeah. Um, and, and he's with his dog, Kiki. I love that dog. I was really hoping it was yours and I was really hoping to bring her. No, I'm just her uncle. But she's I love so her. Cute. She changed my life. Yeah. Dogs she's do really that. sweet. Yeah. I mean, this. she's very special. She's, like, kind of, like, neurotic, kind of quirky, doesn't bark. How's your diet? Huh? Any allergies? No. Okay. <laughs> to food? Yeah. Oh, my. No. I wanted to just get a couple anecdotes, you know, some details. Oh, gosh. All right. I'm, well, there, now I'm we know. What are you looking forward to doing this summer? Anything cool and sexy? Do you like taking easy, clothes easy. off and go in the sun at the beach? Is that a thing you do? No, I mean, I like the beach. You do? Yeah, I don't know. That's a goal for myself. I need to, like, have more, like, sexy and fun things do you go during out dancing? the summer. Yeah. Um, I'll, like, go out if, like, I'll do, like, the occasional nightlife thing. If, like, I know a friend who's hosting something or I'm, like, invited out or forced out. But it's not like a regular part of my routine. Right. I'm like, yes, the weekend's here. Um, yeah. It's not me. Well, it's um, hard with work because then you're like, I need to lay down. I know. And stare at a wall or stare <laughs> at a window. I feel like this is my first summer where I've like 
finally feel like there's like some level of like stasis in my life. So it's kind of like, it's actually terrifying. I'm realizing like how much I don't have lined up in terms of like what I do for me kind of a thing. Mm. So it's a little homework. Do you have a blender? I don't have a blender. Making yourself a smoothie is self-care. You do love doing that. Uh, Every time I make a smoothie, I think I care about myself. Do you smoke? No. Well, having a cigarette is self-care. Don't smoke, Ben. <laughs> That's not self-care. No. Um, I don't do much. No. I, I really relate to that. Do you journal? No, I don't. I, I don't like the... It feels really terrifying to well, think that so I'm, like, putting my, like, thoughts on Are you worried about paper. someone getting a hold of it? I don't know. Or, like, I never know what I feel about something in the moment. What sign are you? I'm Gemini. Mm. Oh. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. When was it? Is it? June 9th. Yeah. That that, happened. Wait. Oh. June 9th. Oh, July. June 9th. Or in July. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's today. A month ago. Yeah. It's not um, tomorrow. How old did you turn? 33. You're in your Christ year. You're Alexander the Great year. Yeah. Oh. Ah. We both died that year. Oh, my God. Well, it's when you're taken off the cross, supposedly. 33. Oh. Amazing. You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Doesn't he? A child. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that's it oh we're gonna leave you on compliments we're gonna leave you on you look young and oh do you have a tv recommend for our audience oh my god um i've been really digging Shit's creek oh it's oh. so good we love but kind of only Catherine O'Hara. for Catherine o'hara yeah. the other characters are kind like i kind of don't care. No. I, just, I like the sister. Catherine. The sister is pretty consistently funny. And like the background really is really just cute. into... Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. But Ka- like, I just literally watch it. I just kind of wait for her to come Did you watch Fleabag? On screen. Fleabag. Fleabag. Did you watch Fleabag? 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 No. What's that? Yeah. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Fleabag. She's you'll love it? it. No. no. Oh. You'll see. It's a but really good But you'll like all the characters. It's incredible. All of them. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's really good. There's my plug for Fleabag. Fleabag. Shit's Creek. Keep watching Big Little Lies because we'll be doing recaps every week. We'll be doing recaps. <laughs> and watch our own show, The Dancing <gasps> Stuff Show on YouTube. Watch The Dancing Stuff watch that. Show. Ben mm. Kimmich, what a pleasure. We love seeing your face around town. You're such a staple. I have seen you for yars and yars. Yars. And now, oh. now we know more. And now we know more. We know the whole story. Oh, God. And you actually love doing arts admin. Yeah. You're Incredible. a dance savior. Yeah. yeah. A dance, dance savior. Dance maker, dance savior, dance Dance maker, viewer. dance savior. And dance... Dance viewer. Uh, dance, uh, what's a person who writes funny commentary on Instagram called? <laughs> commentator? A dance commentator. Wow, wow. A comedy commentator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, rate, review, subscribe. To dance and stuff, and you can find out more about Ben Kimmich on uh, Instagram, ben because Kimmich we'll tag him in the photo. www.benkimmich.com <laughs> <laughs> At Benjamin Okio. Dot com. What? Oh, wait, no. That's the Instagram. Yeah. At Benjamin Akio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It'll be tagged. You'll oh, see. Oh, you'll be pictures. We love you. We love you.